Hello and welcome to another extra special, completely curricular, fully automated, automated, automatoed, automatic, <laughs> automatic episode of Normandy FM Near Edition. I am Eric Van Allen, joined by co-host Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how you doing? Oh, I'm vibing. I've been. I'm on the last day of vacation, so the the dread is starting to encroach mm. upon me. They talk about the Sunday scaries. They never tell you about the vacation scaries, mm. you know? Mm. <laughs> Plus, you know, we're both here. You know, we love this podcast. We love what we do. We love being able to do this and, and go back through all these old games and, and give them the retrospectives and the love that they deserve. But we're both just secretly very eager to be playing a different game right mm-hmm. 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 I can feel it in our in our intonation. So if today's mm-hmm. a shorter episode, that's not the entire reason why, but it's also not the not entire reason why, if you know what I'm saying. It is at um, least partially the reason. Yeah. And and that game which I mean because of when this episode will go live, we can't exactly say the name or whether it rhymes with uh, Baldur's Gate 3 or not, but... Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm really come... glad that Larian made a game about bald gays. Three of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, who who's to say if, if Ken and I are, are covering that for our respective websites? And who's to say if further down the line we may want to talk more about that at length? And, and who's to say if uh, maybe you folks at home would, would want to hear us talk about said game? If that is a completely hypothetical situation that you would like us to uh to entertain the notion of maybe uh let us know let us know you know maybe we'd be into that theoretically of course hypothetically mm-hmm. uh the thing we can talk about is near replicant uh we've got an interesting episode this week and, and the, the real reason why this week might be kind of shorter but maybe more explore uh the actual playing of near replicant is that we're kind of checking off some uh tick box items i would say like some things that we need to do to progress the story forward i i almost feel like this is a slice slice in the life of uh of near the the mm. character this is like almost his day-to-day so to speak sure. um you know when he's trying to just take care of things help the village out uh so we head to uh oh i'm getting ahead of myself before we get there Folks, we're Normandy FM. We're a retrospective podcast. If you like the work we do, if you like listening to people talk about old games, if you like listening to people dissect old games with guests and friends from around the industry, head over to patreon.com slash normandyfm. You can support us there. We also have an X. Is that what we're calling it now? We have an X? No, we're not. We're not calling it that. We've got Xs, let me tell you. (laughs) um, Yeah, you can find us on social platforms on Normandy FM. Uh, Ken and I are on various social platforms as well um, under the names Shepard CDR and C Moosey. Uh, you can find us pretty easy there. Um, those all exist, but if you really want to support us, the best way to do so is to, to leave a review uh, only five stars, but uh, leaving mm-hmm. reviews helps us out, uh, gets the pod circulating, especially after we've been dormant for a while. It's nice to have uh, some signs of life and it's been great mm-hmm. seeing everybody uh, get excited about the new season. So, now, without further ado, near Replicant episode two, we go to the fountain at the center of the village. We find Devola, who is a little unfazed by the introduction of a floating talking book, let me say. Mm. <laughs> um, is, you know, there's a giant book with a face that is just demanding respect from 
Devila, and she's like, oh, you're the book that I was just singing about in this forgotten language. And and we get to hear the the story that she's singing and um, this like, like the, the entire tale that that actual song is. Um, and I do want to note, Ken, there's, have you like kind of picked up on some of the musical motifs in this game yet? Uh, in terms of what specifically? Well, just that there are like different, I guess you'd call them themes oh, for sure. characters. Um, and, and the reason why I bring it up is because I think playing near Automata, I really like the music specifically. And there are very specific songs that are very good. And especially one that I think most people recognize way to the world. Um, mm-hmm. obviously plays a really big role in in a lot of that game. But one thing that I think I like more about Near Replicant and the way it uses music is that it uses themes. And mm-hmm. Song of the Ancients is one that you've actually heard before in Automata. Uh, you hear it when you're roaming around the city in Automata, and here you're hearing it played by Devil and Popola. It's that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Mm. kind of like recurring theme uh, that they kind of layer up and build up. Um, and I, I think it's really cool the way that the music plays a more forward role in this game, I guess. Have you would... kind of like had that feeling? Like how, how do you feel about the music of this game so far? Well, it, it's very good, but I also like now that you're saying it, it it reminded me if I'm remembering Automata wrong, like there's more diegetic music in this game than there was in Automata question mark. It seems like I'm oh, a, like, like I'm actually actual like, playing music that right. you hear. Yeah. Right. Because like I, I that's I think like has been one of my bigger takeaways is that like I and like I talked about it in the first episode, like how I'm very much realizing that my understanding of what Nier is as a franchise and as a world is um Maybe not as comprehensive as I might have thought it was just from playing one game, but like I, I just keep noticing that like there are like legends and stories that people are telling through music. Often seems like that was not necessarily the case for Automata because that I mean, the, basically like almost like the the genre of that is different and it doesn't feel like a lot of the stuff is integrated in the same way. Um, so that's kind of been my takeaway thus far, at least based on my memories of that game. Yeah, I, a, a lot of Automata's music is really impactful and really good, but there is the element of, like you're saying, diegetic, where, like, Replicant, it it's interesting that this song that, you know, especially if you're coming from Automata, you're like, oh, I've heard this tune before. I've, I, I recognize some of these notes, and it's actually being played by characters in front of you and has this, like, context mm-hmm. for where you are. And, and obviously, it's not like that throughout the game. There's music that just plays ambiently throughout the game but uh i think the other cool thing that you brought up the lyrics um this idea of like songs as a record of history Mm. i think uh, is really interesting because that's how it gets brought to us is that we learn about this story of a black book that spreads disease and a white book that saves the world and and grimoire vice is apparently the the white book um we we learn more about the world through not just being told text, but being told through song and, and through these things that endure even in the lack of a written archive, even mm. in the lack of like proper documentation. And I don't know, to me as like a, a historical thing, I, I always think that's really interesting. I'm always fascinated by the ways that humanity recorded um, tales, recorded legend, recorded history, especially when, 
so many physical ways of doing so fall apart, but the way that we tell them to each other and tell them to our generations and carry that forward does carry on because that is not so easily dissolved, I guess. And so it's Mm. cool to see this idea that this, this ruined world that we're in with all these like pieces of the modern world that have decayed and been overtaken by nature, there are still songs. There are still legends. There are still stories that are being told that do, at least now that we know we have a floating talking book sitting next Mm. to us, uh, have some, some tangible amount of reality to them. Uh, and, and, Again, I'm going to end up really liking Replicant by the end of the season. I can already tell. Like the, <laughs> the more I think about this and how this story pans out, I think I'm going to, as is Normandy tradition, discover a new love for Replicant I did not have mm. before <laughs> before mm. this. Um, but we go to see Popola, and, and she apologizes uh, for Yona, but says that she can help us. Um, she <laughs> learns about Wise. And tells us the story about Grimoire Noir, who brought calamity onto the world, onto the world, only to be stopped by Weiss's sealed verses, uh, which is essentially a form of magic. Um, we we, it, it's kind of up in the air because at this point, Nier gets really excited, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, if we get the sealed verses, that's it, magic. Magic can do anything. Mm. Magic could cure Yona. Uh, we could get rid of this calamity that is infecting the world if we got this magic. And Pablo is like, "Hey, hey, pump the brakes. It's a legend. It's it's chill." And then Nier's like, "Look, Weiss was only a legend yesterday too. Like mm. this is possible." So we we get a lot of like cautious, like not not even cynicism, just like a measured response. Like, "Hey." Right chill versus like yeah yeah but near is optimistic near is hopeful at this point right and that was something that i kind of took note of in this section is i and again there's like some weird misunderstanding i have of this character's like life because Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. the, because of the jump forward that allegedly has happened um i don't know why this kid like has so much hope for the world and that any of this stuff can be better when apparently he's lived through like centuries of it being bad and so like that's just like a like a character trait that I took note of that like oh he is like a go getter very like very like shonen anime protagonist kind of like yeah, stoked yeah. about everything and that's like I I just wonder where the seeds of that come from at this point like because everything that I've seen of this, this character has gone through is bad I I would say at least part of it just comes from his personality and like his how much he cares for his sister for sure. Um, it is very interesting to me. We talked a little bit um, last episode, I believe, about how there was a split between uh, Japan and America mm. in that Japan had this version of the game where you play as brother near, but uh, the U.S. got Papa near, father mm. near. And I do think that in some cases, the <laughs> as weird as this might sound to say, uh, people might understand the father wanting to latch onto any hope to save his daughter a little bit more than the brother, even though theoretically both should be true. But I I think that also just depends on your own circumstances, right? That depends on how you, you come to this, like, you know, he is a brother who cares a lot about his sister and wants to save her no matter the cost. Um, And that's, that's kind of what drives a lot of near in this, in this section is that he just desperately wants to cure this world and cure, yona Mm. specifically um 
so and he also wants to just murder shades mm, mm, as mm. as we learn um because weiss wants to learn noir's location there's no record of it but um the verses and the shades seem to be linked um <laughs> uh but popola does tell us that shades are gathering near a village called the airy um over the bridge that we helped repair uh and so we can head over there to talk to the village chief and, and see if we can help out, maybe figure some things out. Uh, so we head over to the area. We're going to our first new hub. And this is kind of a, this whole section is about introducing us to some of these, I'll call them hub areas, but really they're kind of um, just different like end points. I think the way that this world is, is constructed is very of its time. You have mm. this central village that you keep returning back to and then every main point of interest is about two screens away, I would say. Sure. You, you kind of have a like large field area. And then actually what it reminds me a lot of, and this is starting to make me think about a lot of other things, but it reminds me a lot of Ocarina of Time, specifically. Sure. The way that sure. you would go out into Hyrule Field and then run across Hyrule Field to go to other areas of the game. Uh, it has that similar structure, which I think is really interesting connection now that i think about it but mm. um we head to the airy and as we're on the way we get some banter uh get used to this wise loves to talk um mm. as you have clearly figured out already mm-hmm. um near isn't really in awe of wise right. let's say um, he's not overly uh taken by his power uh, and doesn't really change his his attitude um it's it's an interesting relationship we see between these two at the start i think uh wise is obviously very uh he thinks highly of himself right he's he's the talking book that could bring about you know the the salvation of the world only he doesn't remember how to do any of his magic while uh near is just the boy who wants to save his sister and doesn't really care about anything else um what do you think of Weiss so far? I, I I do find that sometimes Weiss is a divisive character for people. I think I I don't necessarily like feel good or bad about him yet. I'm more intrigued just by like I wrote my notes like I I'm I guess I'm more intrigued by the the dynamic here than I am anything mm-hmm. else. Um, mm-hmm. Because like compared to Asamu, as, as as I recall it, two um, B and nine S were like, or at least two B was like fairly cold to nine S for a chunk of mm. that game. Mm. um <laughs> wonder why <laughs> and you know i mean for reasons that we'll get into like 10 episodes from now um where where this is like where this is just like kind of the vibe is different like you know the world is still desolate in its own way but like there's just sort of a different dynamic between the characters that you're playing as and i think that you know shows up the most in this banter like okay i'm running from one place to another and then i get you know, this brief snippet of two people who seem, like, kind of annoyed by each other in one way or another, um, where Weiss is very much, like, you know, has basically come back into the world and, you know, there's this legend about him, but nobody really cares that much. At least, at the, the very least, the people that he's tethered to right now uh, don't seem to care. And so that, that, that just at least stands out to me as a sort of, um... Because I, I, I keep making... Uh, comparisons between these two games and i think you know i think it's fair and i think it, a lot of it's probably very intentional um to kind of talk about the way that these games are different but that just sticks out to me is that like the vibes of this cast already feel very different 
It's it's different because I I think the interesting thing is that they both kind of have parties, but it it is a very tangibly different vibe in Replicant. It feels more like a traditional Final Fantasy party, if sure. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, really, the only party you have in Automata is Two B and Nine S. Otherwise, it's a very secluded, lonesome game. Mm-hmm. I I find, um, and even with Weiss, like Weiss is a bit more talkative than 9s definitely talkative in a different way where 9s definitely probes for sure but weiss wants to talk about himself right um it's very interesting um (laughs) uh i like that you so we get to the airy uh which is really cool one thing i do want to shout out i love the design of replicants towns i think Mm. all of them are very interesting and, and unique and uh, walking into the airy is just like, look at this, you know, honestly, team eco ass sure. location, like, uh, forgotten concept for the last guardian location. Mm. <laughs> um, it's this entire village built onto, uh, a chasm, right? Like, like there's a massive gap, uh, over which they have built bridges and houses and have all these wind-drawn... Um, their very dangerous, their very fans. much, like, yeah, feels ill-advised. And it's kind of like some shit that, like, some rich person makes because they want to prove that they can, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that it might result in several casualties of the people that live there who the, might... Like, what, what, if somebody, what if somebody fucking sleepwalks and then they walk out and then just, like, walk off to the side of the fucking cliff? Well, dang, there go, there goes Billy, you know, his bad, mm. you know. <laughs> um, I I do find it interesting because the thing I always consider around these, you know, locations, these civilizations, is how do they deal with, you know, the rampant monster problem, right? Like, they, they obviously have these shades that are out and about. And even when we walk into the area, there are shades that are just appearing and attacking and it seems like their answer to dealing with the shades was we'll put ourselves in the most like ridiculous place inconvenient and, place for them yeah, to get to yeah this is a very inconvenient place for monsters to attack mm-hmm. and you know what i respect that everybody else built gates they were like you know what no we're just gonna make it really difficult to get here mm-hmm. <laughs> um as we beat up shades we also unlock some words we got paw which is uh, one of the first words you get. And, and you got introduced to the word system, which I think confused you a bit at first, Ken. How, how do yeah. you feel about words? <laughs> so, so I think it, it, there are a couple things that like added to my confusion. Like one, like, uh-huh. okay, like it's a very different like semantic for like upgrades and like, you know, that system. And, but like the more I thought about it, like, okay, like wife is a book. So like, I guess that makes sense. Like, Oh, you're like changing the words in the book. And that's, Affecting your abilities. Like, okay, I was like, okay, fine, that all checks out. One thing I've just noticed in this game, the tutorials are absolute garbage. Or lack thereof, rather. Where, mm-hmm. like, you'll be in the middle of a fight and it, you'll get a screen that says, like, oh, you unlocked thing, or you can now do thing. And it doesn't tell you what the thing is, but if you want to fight and figure out what it is, you just open up your fucking options menu, go to th- three different other screens, and then it'll tell you. And it's like... Because there are a lot of, like, little things here and there with the design of this game. Like, you can kind of chalk up to it being 13 years old at this point. That just, that would have felt ridiculous even in 2010 to me. 
to like sequester all your tutorials in a game that I don't think, like in frankness and like not to show my hand too early, I don't think a lot of the mechanics of the game are very complex. And I think a lot of the reason that like there was any confusion was largely just like the, the words they used to describe things were like different than what you typically like. Cause I feel like there's like a kind of accepted language in video games that a lot of things kind of fall back on um, that makes video games as a medium just like more universally understood regardless of genre, regardless of, you know, whatever game you're playing where it feels like Nier is like going out of its way to have its own special words for things and uh, descriptors of things that it all never actually goes as what it talked to you about. It puts them all in a separate menu and it's like, if you want to learn how to actually like engage with the systems of this game, go look at another, another screen. Like, and that just like kept happening repeatedly where like I would just get this pop-up that would tell me one thing and it's like, oh, but we're not going to explain any of this to you. Um, I don't think it's like in the grand scheme of things affected my like progression in any way because I frankly think this game is very easy thus far. Um, but it just, it, it feels like such a weird oversight that that was something that they maintained in Replicant and in, in, in terms of like, in terms of maintaining it in the remake. Because like there are a lot of things because, like, you know, when you want to have something that's maybe kind of like a kind of preservation of what you had before for a modern audience, like, you know, that's one thing. When you've got just, like, these little quality of life things that add up over time and no decisions were made to kind of, like, streamline this process to, like, make those things more clear, it just seems like an odd decision to me. I will say that the one thing, like, like flat out without just trying to be like, oh, you'll understand why later on, but, like... The thing I like about the lost words is that, or, or the sealed verses, I should say, is that they are the tangible things that you use. They, that when you open mm. your menu screen, they they do things. They are words in the book that are grimoire vice, and you you gain them from shades. And so it it is that idea of like being so committed to the theme, to the bit, right. to the idea that even your tutorials are thematically appropriate and i guess there's a part of me that's like yes it is inconvenient in a lot of ways but then also a part of me that's like i really love the bit i really love the commitment to the bit i mm-hmm. i think the the desire to want to do something very specific like that is really cool and um overall the the word stuff i will say is pretty inconsequential it just kind of feels sure. like you're getting plus ups pretty early on uh there there are some yeah there are some later ones that get a little bit more interesting but i will say that like broadly it's more about the vibes than anything else um and it's more about i guess the interesting way in which some of that stuff starts to mix and match and that you get some other words that aren't even necessarily oh here's five percent attack but maybe like here's something that affects your modifier or or like is a utility thing that changes the way this move works and stuff like that. And those get a little bit more interesting as you go on. But I mean, how much have you really been using like the spells and stuff? I feel like you're, you're, you're very early on in terms of what spell capabilities and magic capabilities you have too. Yeah. Um, I would say almost never. Um, and granted. Okay. So we'll talk about these specific boss fights and stuff that we've done in this, uh, Mm -hmm. this episode. Uh, but I've broadly just been able to hold down the shoot button and 
not even pull out my sword for some of these things. And I'm granted by the, by the end of this episode, like I, there was an encounter that did feel like I kind of had to, you know, actually engage with the fight in, in a different way. But there were so mm-hmm. many fights in this game where it was like, I don't really feel like I'm having to do much at all. Like I, I like white shoots and I am basically done. Um, and so in that way, I think like, you know, the words that I've actually engaged with were just like make those numbers go up, but not a whole lot that has required me to get really any fancier than I have to for a fight. I, I think broadly at this point in the game, you're not going to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff that all of the more complex things will happen as it advances and you're still just very much at that beginning stage. Mm. But I definitely agree that some of the early bosses were, uh, I mean, they're there, they're present. I think they're more about what is happening than like Mm. how it's happening. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, on that note, so we go through the area, we try to talk to a lot of the different houses and people in the houses and they're all just like, go away, stay away. We don't want you here. Get out bad like nobody's outside kind exactly everybody's inside they say you're just like kine um and we finally reach the chief's house and he doesn't want us here either he's like leave and never return um so without seeing any big shades here we're like oh i guess there's no verses here either on the way back out we uh we pass by this this camper that we saw when we were coming in um and there is a uh like kind of a no, Laurel, uh, a lay, I guess you would say it's, yeah. it's like a, a string necklace of flowers and they're all lunar tears. Um, we go up to see them and as you say, Laura Bailey shows up. Uh, uh, <laughs> we love a Laura Bailey. That, yeah. Um, well, mm, now I'm suddenly thinking who is like the actor that has appeared in the most Normandy FM seasons. It, probably, it might mm. be her. It might be Laura Bailey. Look. Oh, Troy Baker is tied for that. Was was Troy Baker in Mass Effect? He was Kai motherfucking Lang. Oh, uh, but he was. But Laura Bailey played someone that was in more Mass Effect games, though, right? Than Kai Lang. Shit. Laura Bailey. I feel, was... like, I feel like Laura Bailey did like, uh, like you'd probably see her credit as like quote additional voices. I don't know uh, if she, she played like a. She was. I, I'm checking it right now. This is great pod content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she was Ensign Rodriguez, uh, Doctor Ava Corre. Oriana Lawson, uh, PTSD Asari Commando. Uh, yeah, just some other various, like, roles. They might be tied. Mm. We're going to have to do some more Laura Bailey mm-hmm. <laughs> video mm-hmm. games. <laughs> just, just to, like, give her the edge up. Specifically seek out Laura Bailey non-Troy Baker <laughs> video <laughs> games. Uh, anyways, uh, here's Kaine. Kaine shows up, uh, or rather a, a, a person that we learn is Kaine, um, a white-haired girl in her underwear. Um, hey, Kaine's in her underwear. So, I... <laughs> you will regret your words and deeds. <laughs> so so that, that was the thing. When I was playing this, I was playing it in a, in a Discord call with front of the show, Tatum, and they were saying, like, it's a metaphor. And, like, I don't know if that was, like, a, a joke or not. But, like, everyone was very insistent that there's a reason for this. And that there's a reason for the way the game is, like, very overt and pointing it out. And not in a way... Okay, like, if her outfit was what it is, that's one thing. 
but the the game goes out of its way to constantly point out that she is in her underwear as well. And so I'm like, I don't know what the the point of that is. Uh, and because like everyone asserts me, it's not inherently, or I guess not inherently. Like it is not only skeevy. It could yeah. be other things. I would say I would say not only. Because like what you've played Automata and sure. like what what 2B is wearing is not exactly like your average combat attire either. But like I don't th- there is more effort given in Replicant to talk about why someone might actually wear the outfit that they are wearing with Kaine than it than anything that happens with 2B. And I don't know. I, I realize I have very little limb to, to walk out on here as a as a cis straight dude who's about mm. to lay down some truth for you. Mm. <laughs> um, Yoko Taro's been pretty straight up in that he's just like, I like making strong, attractive ladies in my game. Mm. Uh, and that's his vibe. And given the way that he's written a lot of his his uh, his characters, I'm willing to give him a little more leeway when it comes to I also made them hot versus mm. some other creators whose names rhyme with Hideo Kojima uh, that like maybe do some things that I'm not so wild about with their strong leads. So mm. um, take all that with the grains of salt that you take that. But yeah, there. I I will say there is storyline reason for why this happens, but also that the game will call attention to it. At least like Grimoire Vice will. He not not to put too many spoilers on what's coming up in in the season, but he and he, he and Kinda don't get along too well in general. Mm. Um, and I think uh, I think they do get there. It's it's gonna take us a while to get there though. Does, um, um, poten- potentially a while. Right. Uh, Before yeah. we move on from this topic, does Replicant have like an equivalent thing to uh, you can get a trophy for looking at somebody's skirt? Um, I'd have to check if Replicant has that. Let me. I'm going to check this real quick on my thing, and I'm also going to check it because I'm worried it might be a spoiler for you. So. Oh, okay. Because mm. like that's just the thing is like I, I respect that there might be some like reason for this but i also like i think the way that you ah yeah okay so this was this was a whole thing so we'll talk about it when we talk about it um yeah we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about that when we talk about it okay um because like what what i was saying was like i you know, you, you can do what you want to do with character design. You can have a reason for it. You can kind of, like, not make that be at the expense of actually, like, making a character who is a full person in the midst of all of that. It's shit like the, the trophy, I think, that has always rubbed me the wrong way. Is that, like, oh, okay, we're, we do all these things for this woman to, like, be a, like, real person in the midst of all this other shit. And then you have, like, a trophy that's, like, oh, look up her skirt. And then you can get a trophy pop for it. And... It's like, so you got to do that to get the platinum and like, just like how that ends up playing into people's, I guess, like perceived notions of like, how do I see everything this game has to offer? And then you put something 
in a system that is ingrained onto your fucking PlayStation to be like, hey, you got to do this to like finish the game. Like that, that's always all, that has been something that's always well, rang very weird to me. The one thing I want to say to that, and we don't need to get into like giant diatribe about this, but there is a difference between finishing the game and getting the platinum. And I don't think some, I think some people don't make that distinction. Some people absolutely do not make that distinction. That's their, their choice to make that distinction. And I do think in those cases, they probably feel a bit weird about having to do it. I I'll also just like immaturely admit that I think it's funny that somebody put an achievement like that in automata specifically, because I think in isolation, that's very funny that they'd be like, oh, we we have a gotcha in here. That's mm-hmm. also a very like Yoko Taro thing to do. Um, sure. But yeah, it's something that you have to handle with a certain amount of care. And we'll talk more about that in Replicant when mm-hmm. we get to it. Um, yeah, the, the really hard part about Kaine is that there's just a lot of story around her that we have not mm-hmm. gotten to yet. And sure. so I want to like hold off on that story until we get there. <laughs> Let's mm, say, okay. um, but on that note, we do have a fight with Kaine where, um, Kaine just tries to slash us. I do really like Kaine's whole, just two swords, like, uh, the, the bandaged arm and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I do think, regardless of like being in underwear or not, like her fight style, the way she attacks, the way she strikes is like super sick. And this, this boss fight was probably the first time where I was like, Oh, Oh, this, this is starting to remind me a little bit of near automata. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm, I'm remembering how this goes. Um, we, we, we fight with her for just a moment for just a little bit. And then uh, we end up fighting a much larger enemy that comes over the cliffside and attacks us. Um, and then we just shoot things for a bit. Uh, this this is definitely a fight where you just kind of use magic the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it It is kind of fun to do some of the sword fighting stuff with Kaine specifically. And, and I think there are other enemies that might, you know, reward you in that way. But with the big enemies, especially, I found myself definitely just using magic a lot. So we take out the big boss, we push it back, um, and and we we end it. But we we find out that uh, Kaine has the same affliction that Yona does. Kaine kind of like collapses after the fight mm-hmm. ends, and Kaine also has the black scroll, um, and. Uh, Weiss says that she is possessed by a shade and we get one of the sealed verses, the dark hand. Uh, we take Kaine back to uh, her bed uh, in her shed and, and apologize and, and kind of have an, an awkward standoff. And then Kaine's like, gives us her name. Finally, by the way, we've been calling her Kaine the whole time, even though you don't know that she's Kaine up until right. the end of it. But <laughs> um, and then insists that we leave because nothing good is going to happen if you stick around. Um, and also tells us to stay away from the giant shade that we just fought. Um, so on the way back, we can decide to go see Popola or Yona. Uh, we stop by Yona, um, and she is in pain. She's not doing well. Um, so we need to go get meds to, to help her out. Uh, 
we head to Popola, and Popola gives us the idea to try out the, the shaman fish, which are found near the seafront, uh, have a chemical in their liver that dulls pain. And so we head out, we fight some shades, save a guard, reach the seafront, and it is a seaport town. We get a little bit of a tease of a lighthouse, woman hanging out there talking about waiting for somebody, ask around for a shaman fish, just kind of explore. I don't know. It's like this. This gave me very like early Final Fantasy vibes. Yeah. I guess you know, like like you you show up in a new town, you talk to people, try to kind of figure out what's going on, um, and then we we head down to a guy at the beach, um, who uh, embodies the classic saying, "If you give mm. near a fish." then he's got a fish. But if you teach Nier how to fish, he'll play one of the most frustrating mini games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ever conceived in the history of video games. I love a good fishing mini game. Nier's fishing mini game sucks. It's, it's not fun. Um, and it's, and that's the thing is it's not fun. And it was also kind of infamous at the time for being not very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you need to move the stick in the opposite direction. Yeah, but it's just not, engaging in any way and imagine if you were trying to say get a bunch of fish or something like Mm. that now it's much worse um so take solace in the fact that we really only got to do it this once Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh we get our shaman fish and we take off um and and we we head on back uh we 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 talked to the lighthouse lady who got very mad at ken specifically ken how could you ignore her why would you I mean, do that? I felt very vindicated in ignoring her when she was like mean and nasty. And I'm just like, why do you think that you have no friends here? Like, the, the wife makes like a joke about like, who would send you mail? Like, who would care enough to send you mm-hmm. anything? And I was mm-hmm. like, you know she, what? She wants us to deliver mail for her because we've so rudely ignored her. Um, I, this is going to get mean. <laughs> um, there are, I, you know how... Have you ever watched The Sopranos, Ken? Uh, not in any meaningful capacity. Okay, well, so so Tony Soprano's mother in The Sopranos uh, is, is like a textbook narcissist. Uh, okay. Always has problems. And, and granted, you get the sense that she's been this way for most of her life, but especially uh, at her later stages in life, her, you know, constantly woe is me and turning every topic back to herself is very much a way for her to try and elicit attention from people, mm-hmm. right? She is she is starved for having any amount of attention in her life, uh, is afraid of her twilight years, and thus creates problems for other people. This this lady in this video mm-hmm. game reminds me of Tony Soprano's mother. <laughs> and uh that is that is my hot takeaway from this section is that is tony soprano's mom uh in in the game near replicant uh but we do we do this postman delivery quest for her just to take care of it we also pick up some stuff um because the postman like catches our vibes is like oh you're from popola's village aren't you <laughs> you got those vibes um we deliver the letter back to the lighthouse for her, which by the way, I love, you know, near Automata did this sometimes, but I find replicant does it more often the like switching camera angles. 
I love it at the lighthouse specifically the way it mm. swaps camera angles as you're going up. Uh, it's always like a really cool trick. And I always like seeing that and just being like, Whoa, this game was doing this. Like why were not, why were people not talking about this? This is so cool. Um, I like the very like dollhouse vibe that yes, because, because yeah. of like how they angle it. And like it basically, they, they take a wall out of it's a, it's a building a as you go up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you just kind of like go up like even in near's house like there's a kind of this like abstract sort of um implied staircase that that near goes down but then will end up on like the opposite side <laughs> yep, of the room yep, yep. Mm-hmm. um which is like a cool like visual trick think about that a lot right now because of the barb movie and just like because you know they're in the they're in the dream houses and it's like the, the same sort of vibe and sort of uh construction of these mm. things and that's just like a cool thing yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it shouldn't really surprise that Near Replicant, much like Near Automata, is a game that is very interested in eliciting vibes and mm. creating an aesthetic in developing an entire region, an entire area, just to get the, the like, look and feel of one specific thing right. Mm. And I, I think what Replicant does maybe even better than Automata is have those moments. Mm-hmm. that that feel very distinct i there's certainly ones in automata that i'm very eager to get back to like the space station is one that i always think of uh the way that you kind of just like run in place and it, it rotates right. um yeah. but uh I, I i do find that replicant has some really really cool ones that we'll get to uh even later on uh but even pretty soon too there's some some neat stuff uh we already saw like the top down, which I thought the the way you d- go into top down during that first uh, mm. dungeon in the oh I forgot the name of it the tower uh, where you get Weiss from, but uh, there's there's all kinds of cool camera tricks that they play. Uh, on the way out of town, Ken met the most infamous enemy in Near Replicant in in all of Near. Man. I love that. I was so sad I didn't see you encounter this live because it is everyone's first experience with this dangerous motherfucker uh, just completely annihilating you as you're heading back from the seafront. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it, I. Yeah, I mean, it was like funny, and at least because like everything else in this game had like done basically nothing to me. But then you, know, you see this guy like off in the distance, and you're like, oh, I guess maybe this is like just a. Like a, a boss, like a, like an optional boss to go fight, and then, un, like unbeknownst to me, like he basically like turned on his side and like just like mm-hmm. knocked me over with the side of his hand without even like trying to. Like it didn't even seem like he was trying to fight me. It just seemed like I happened to be like in the way as he was turning around. So that was fun. So there are there are two note three notes. I, I might actually talk more about this shade than I thought I was going to. Uh, the first thing is that it reminds me immediately of another uh encounter in another video game specifically dark souls 2 uh i don't know if you ever played dark souls 2 but you did not that much but I didn't oh not that game. much okay did you ever meet the the king the the king in the the crypt no so the the whole game you are looking for all these different items it's very dark souls you need to find the things to link the shrines yada yada yada, yada. like get the lord souls and all that um dark souls 2 is like slightly different in the way it constructs that but still very much that general story structure but uh at one point after defeating a boss and advancing far enough you get to the actual tomb where this king is supposed to lie 
and you find him just shambling around and he is a giant he is massive and he's just shambling around unaware of anything around him not even aware that you're in the room like clearly Mm. just senses dull lifeless um a husk of his former self he is like desiccated he is malnourished he is this ancient thing that cannot die but is clearly not thriving and you just like walk past him and pick up the item you need and you can fight him if you want uh if you want to see if you can take him and he will like just dunk you into the ground if you provoke him enough but he won't even like fight back at the first few hits because they're just you know ant bites to him like, like you have to like actually try and damage him for him to like respond. And that's, that's one thing I think of, but also uh, for this shade specifically in, in replicant. And the reason why I bring that up is that to my recollection, I did eventually beat this, this guy. I was like very determined. I wanted to beat him. Uh, and I want to say you really don't get much for beating him. Sure. Like you get, you get very little. And I remember thinking like, Oh, haha, Yoko Taro got me again. Mm-hmm. But really, I think the thing I took away from it was that there are all kinds of dangers in this world, some great, some small. And there's more of just an idea that you are trying to get through it and do the things you want to do. And you don't like if you want to fight it, you can you can say that you took this challenge down and you conquered it and all that. But like that's what you get. That's your mm-hmm. reward. We're not going to give you any like right. big fancy stuff for it. I have to, I'm going to double check to see if that shade has any specific things that he drops, but I don't think he drops any. He's not like a story boss that comes up later or anything like that. He's just right. a dude there. Um, I'm guessing you just gave it one run and then. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I him. clearly am not meant to fight this right now. Cause like, even as I was like walking up to it, like shooting uh, with, with wife, like it wasn't doing much. So I was like, Oh, maybe if I, slap him with my sword it's gonna do like, they're, like maybe he's like uh, you know impervious to projectiles but like my sword might get and then it's just like no I'm like, okay i'll i'll come back later yeah so i looked it up and you just get a word um and a chance <laughs> at some resources and that's it so like even by the time you can take him down it's like not even mm. really worth it right and I I just think that's intriguing. That's like a, a cool, interesting thing that they do to just kind of, I don't know, maybe wake you up a little bit. Because sure. <laughs> honestly, like, I think all the interesting stuff in this game is interesting, but we are very much in the point where they're just trying to get you to be comfortable with the structure of the game, where different locations are, how they relate to each other, what's sort of going on. You're kind of getting ideas about like, oh, okay, so these different hubs all kind of do exist and people do talk to each other and there is trade, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it's very sporadic. It's very, uh, located to individual hubs where people stay and, and try to hold out against a world that is very clearly hostile to, to their presence to some degree. Um, but we head on back, back to the village. We take the fish to Yona and we skip some morning and she seems to be a little bit better. Says she doesn't have any pain. Uh, we realize that she's not been introduced to Weiss and we make an introduction and she calls him Weissy. <laughs> uh, it's great. 
He's not exactly. happy about that. <laughs> Take him down a peg. Uh-huh, like he, uh-huh. he's already been taken down a few pegs by nobody really giving a shit about who he is. Humble. But now, this he, book. now he gets he gets a pet name. Yeah, yeah. We gotta humble this book. Um. Anyways, we we tell her to rest and we go talk to Poe Beloved. We bring her the letter from the mailman and she's concerned by what it says. Uh, it's from the mayor of the seafront who says that shades have descended upon the airy. Uh, we tell her about the trouble we just had against the giant shade. She says there's a shop at the junk heap that might be able to help if we bring them materials. So we head, um, we head out. We can also go to the tavern to do side quests if we want more gold. Um, I'm stuck up in this shit. I don't need to know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I will say like side quests we might be doing in the background. There are some that we want to be knocking off because a very specific thing to this game is that a lot of weapons are behind side quests. And mm. you need every weapon in the game to get the last two endings. So th- that's like a weird holdover from Drakengard, which was also sure. how Drakengard did its endings. So um, we head in there and Devola is singing and we can do a quest to get the two of them to sing together. That is one that's very worth doing, by the way. It's a very good quest. Um, I believe it because her, her singing voice is very nice. Oh, like there's a reason why when that special... Um, near replicant they did like a a vinyl set that was four different albums for near uh kine a character you haven't met yet and uh devil and popola and Mm. uh they each had kind of like several different songs but really focused on the individual like themes for each of those characters and different remixes and arrangements of them. And the devil of Popola one is fantastic. It's all like different mm. remixes of their theme, the song of the sure. ancients. And it's very, very good. It's, Oh, I had that on my record player for quite a while. Mm. Um, so we, she offers to buy us a drink and near says he's not old enough to drink, which is not true. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the way to the junk heap. <laughs> on the way to the junk heap, our duo starts talking about the junk heap, and Nier says that it's it's ruins, it's just full of scrap that nobody understands how to use or, or, or do anything with. Uh, we talk about bridges and and uh, say that big metal boxes used to cross over them in the old world, and Weiss says humanity was wise at the time, and then Nier asks how it ended up like that if that were true. Damn near dropping facts yeah (laughs) get there shit on humanity's old life (laughs) um we make it to the junk heap and we meet gideon and jacob two brothers who run the smith shop and they're low on supplies the junk heap used to be a military base uh if we go deeper inside we get some stuff out we might be able to get some things for them jacob tells us that their father died when gideon was young and then trails off when he starts to talk about his mother and then says that she's out and getting supplies. Uh, Gideon says that she's uh, been gone for a week and they're worried about here about her. But but Jacob is choosing to be optimistic, saying she probably had to go deeper in the normal into the junk heap to find the good supplies they've really been trying to get. Um, and so uh, we head down there and we need to get three titanium alloys for the upgrade. And there are defense robots. Um that, that we have to take out to get them. He gives us a map of the complex and we head down. And this is, I think this is almost a weird feeling moment because all of a sudden you are just in near automata. Like right. you are going through this iron complex. There are robots that you're beating up. Like this is very much near automata. Mm. Uh, 
were you actually like at this point swinging the sword doing near automata things at this point less than i would have liked to have been because like even so like you know like the vibes are back but like the that also comes with the sort of issue i had with automata was it like the enemy designs is not that interesting and like so the actual mm-hmm. fights didn't really feel like they mm-hmm. required much effort from me in terms of like okay i've got all these tools all these words uh all these different spells and i'm just like i don't really feel like i need a lot of them yet still that didn't really change until you know we get to the, to the very end of this but just like the general like gristmill grind of getting through this was a lot of the same and it was a lot of me just like shooting in a lot of mm-hmm. cases, um, and there's like this next tier of enemy that we get these items from that were maybe like a little bit more, they, they were a little bit more to deal with, but even so, it was like my, my strategies weren't changing. It was just a matter of like shoot and hit more, uh, numbers go up of in terms of how many times I'm hitting something. Yeah, and, and you do like this whole section, I think, is very straightforward. You just go and you bob a bunch of robots on the head, you oh. get the alloy, you come back, but. It's it's very like I think this specific area keeps diving back into the same stuff in a way that I mean you see this already so you, you pick the alloy up you go back um, we'll talk about the story stuff in a minute but but basically like you get told to go back in and do more of that mm. essentially and that's kind mm. of the junk heap in a nutshell there's like one other area that's little bit like that but i think gets more interesting and does more with it so i'm like mm. a little bit more willing to forgive it versus like this right. one i'm really excited for one area because i think it's going to tick all of your point a to point b box boxes mm. in a bad mm-hmm. way and i'm just really right. thrilled for that <laughs> can't wait i don't know i'm really interested to hear your take on a very specific area that's all i'll say um great are you gonna but, warn me before we get there, or am I just gonna have to like stumble upon it and realize? No, no, I just, mm-hmm. I just wanna, I just wanna hear your takes on it. I wanna hear mm-hmm. them organically. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, like it, I mean, it does have a thing where like it doesn't really do much with the second time it expects you to do something, which kind of again like that's just kind of like an oversight of like how usually if you ask a player to repeat something, you at least mix it up a little bit and didn't really feel like it did that much to any like notable degree here. There was one thing that got my fucking nerves though was that. Uh, one of the like one of the places you get the like I think the first titanium alloy is in like a room like it does the whole like uh, top down perspective thing and you just like yeah, take out yeah. all these these uh, robots as they're coming in and um, eventually like after you take off after you take out a few of the uh, the the lesser ones like uh, this one that's like this golden robot comes up and that's the one you have to kill to get the uh, to get the item that you need and then. So I did that once, and I was like, okay, cool. I went into, like, a similar room, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta do these multiple times. And then they just kept spawning. Like, it literally just never stopped. The the, the golden robot never showed up. And I spent, I, I spent, like, maybe, like, five whole minutes just, like, taking out these motherfuckers uh, without any sort of respite. And it just... Eventually, I was like... I just... I, I walked... Out and I was like, I guess I don't need to actually be here. That's not what, like this is clearly not what I'm supposed to be, even though it like set that precedent for me to think that was what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> you just go in and you just do a bunch of stuff and you come back out and you're like, that was a video game, all right? <laughs> yeah, like that that could have been an email. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we do that. I do think the important thing to note here is that they they do say, hey, this place is kind of messed up. Why are 
why are people coming down here to get stuff out of here? This seems pretty bad down here. Uh, so eventually we come back and um, Gideon is crying about his mom and we interrupt and Jacob says he'll, he'll do the upgrade for free because we put in all the work. Um, and Gideon keeps crying and Nier's like, is everything okay? What's wrong? And Jacob's like, oh, we just have to wait for her to come back. She'll be back soon. And Nier's like, I'll go looking for her. And Jacob's like, dude, did, like, like I'm trying to, no ex nay on the mom mm, on may mm. ed ed day like <laughs> <laughs> um he tells us the he tells us that she usually goes very deep inside the mountain so we'll have to use an elevator and its activation code and as we go in weiss asks why near cares so much about finding this woman and he says that he and yona both know what it's like to miss one's mother Ooh, interesting we have not heard much about their parents at this point mm-hmm. um and so now we do just a bunch of more fighting stuff. I, I think the the most memorable part of this for me is when you're on that rail car and you're doing basically like yeah. a, a bullet shooter section. Um, I can basically do it by memory at this point. I can literally picture in my head where every single one of those turns and things you shoot at are. So look forward to having that ingrained in your memory. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. will have to do it at least one more time. Great. <laughs> um and Weiss is like, man, there's there's no way their mom got through all that. There, yeah. There's literally no way that happened. Um, and miracles don't happen if you don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like your note here. I'm immediately curious what Nier believes in when everything I've seen of his life has been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this this dude. Look, good for you. Good for you. We get a save point. So Miles we're obviously going to... Yeah, we're like we get a save point. We're obviously going to fight a boss. An alarm goes off, and we fight a giant bot. Uh, this is actually I kind of like this fight honestly, but um, it's got laser beam hands, and you got to jump over them. You really got to jump over them because they really do hurt. Uh, and you just kind of smash and fight, and it's just a big old uh bullet heli jumping flipping segment, uh, mm. and. It has the, this is why I brought up the Ocarina of Time thing earlier. You have to throw a bomb into its mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you have to we, I, we, King Dodongo it. <laughs> like, we like skipped over that part, but like, yeah, there's a point where like you kind of like crab walk like these bombs like through different. Oh, uh, yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like very silly. Uh, and, you know, it's fine. Like, I, I, like, I feel like it's, it's earned like the silly high stakes vibe at this point. With mm-hmm. near just being a fucking dork, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like the like you said, like the the boss feels very Zelda in a way, um, with you know the platinum games kind of like uh, stylish combat side to it. You know, it was fun. Like it was it was one of the more like it's it's a weird thing because like we we're making the comparison to Zelda, but like I still feel like what I want out of this is more. Devil May Cry, like, that's still where, like, my brain goes to, like, when I have a game that plays like this. It's, like, I want something that feels, like, very, fairly fast-paced, very engaging. And this, like, the structure of a Zelda boss fight is, like, meant to be more slow-paced. So it kind of just feels like this weird juxtaposition of, like, how the game feels to play and, like, the design that the enemies is making. Well, it's so, the, the thing that I do want to point out there, um, Platinum did combat work on Nier Automata, but for near like the original near it was a studio called Kavia, which was 
the the team that made Drakengard and all that. This is basically the same team as that. And they did do some other um, kind of actiony games. Uh, the most notably, shoutouts did Fate Unlimited Codes, uh, which I think they they planned for it or something. They they worked on it, but that was the Fate Stay Night fighting game, which is sick. Mm. They also worked on some stuff like Bullet Witch. Um, which you might remember from Xbox 360 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I do think there is a reason why the combat feels familiar, but does get a lot better <laughs> in, mm. in Automata. Um, or at least like more expansive, more built out. Whereas so. here, I don't want to say combat is an afterthought, but combat is definitely a thing you do in a video game and not maybe necessarily something that you want to like spend a lot of time mastering let's say there's a reason there's no like scorecard at the end of yeah 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 is a means to an end in, in replicant i feel um and i i do think that the combat gets more interesting later but primarily because they just do more interesting things later. Whereas here they're still doing it's, it's King Dodongo throw the bomb in the mm-hmm. mouth, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, Andros looking at us. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, the bridge extends to the other side and we find a dead woman, uh, their mother, also a dead man. Um, we find a bag on her person with nice clothes and money in it. And wife's immediately was like, Oh, she was abandoning her children. She was leaving. Um, you know what? I mean, sometimes you gotta leave all your responsibilities for the dick. Have you ever considered that maybe the children had bad vibes? Yeah. Who could say? <laughs> um, and, and so much for miracles. Instead, we have discovered the worst possible truth. And, and we found a perfume bottle here that smells of roses. And we can take this back to them. And we do get a fast travel at this point. Bam, boom, teleport back. Yay. Sometimes we get to move fast when it's convenient <laughs> for the mm. plot. Well, guys, I was going to I, I was gonna say, like, if I had to do that whole, like, bullet hell section backwards. No, mm-hmm. no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get back... We can either tell them she's dead or that we couldn't find her. Uh, you told the truth. I also did that. Um, yeah. I, I just figured that, like, if you tell them anything else, they will want, like, one, they could put themselves I, in danger going to try and find her. Um, yeah. And then, two, like, so, and I, don't, I really know how, like, Nier engages with this, but, like, hope can be a bad thing. Like, hope can be a dangerous thing. And I think giving kids that... To like, and, and you know, for, for the same reasons, like they might go looking for her, like they might, you know, basically live in this world where they never actually truly move forward because, like, they have been, they they get so tr- fixated on you know one outcome, one possibility that there's never that moment of like grief and then acceptance and then moving forward with a new hope with something like, you know, and looking for a new future beyond this one you get fixated on. Yeah, and. I want to say that even if you try to not tell them, they like, like the older one figures it out. I think Mm. Jacob like figures it out. So I, I will just say like, there are times in, in near replicant where you kind of have choices, but they're, they're just kind of like a thing that you decide how you want to approach it. But the story is still going to kind of progress along the path. So, Mm. um, but yeah, so, so, Jacob asks if she died alone and we start to, to tell them, but, but Jacob says he knows and is like, was she with the one that she loved? Um, she was kind of torn between her duty to her sons and her lover. 
and uh, he says this may be for the best and forgives her. She's my mom, you know, she's the only one I'll ever have. Uh, we give him the perfume bottle and he says it smells like her, but he can't cry because Gideon can't see it. And as we leave, Nir says uh, he hopes he did the right thing and the brothers see us off. Um, and we're told your actions were just, never doubt it. And that's kind of where we cap off for the junk heap. Uh, an interesting episode, I think. We, we set up a lot of story points. We set up a lot of locales, I'll say. Um, mm. We kind of learn a little bit more about this world. Like we, we get a sense that there is knowledge of the past, that a past existed, and that, that people who live here now know about it in some way that there is story there's history obviously like was it a 1412 i think is the number 1412 is that what i'm thinking of um Mm, how maybe how many years have passed between the the prologue and the start of where we're at um the thing that has been driving you bonkers Mm -hmm. (laughs) this entire time but yeah we we understand that there is obviously time between what happened in the past and, and what is currently happening now. And that people here have retained some knowledge of it. Um, except for near apparently except for near. Yeah, no, just eternally a child, I guess. Yep. <laughs> and, Forever a 14 year old boy. And, and also we get, a we, we, we get a good look at like, I guess how these places operate. You know, it's, it's not like a super drama filled episode or anything. But we we get kind of more of an idea of how people live. And and I guess more importantly, like how different people live. Because you have the seaport, which is this bustling, almost like commerce town. Mm -hmm. Where like there are houses and there are people walking around. And there are trade stalls and stuff like that. We have our our village, which is a little bit more modest, a little bit more scaled back. Uh, And then we have the junk heap, which is just like two kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... Uh, but then we go to the airy and it's all secluded. It's all closed off. They're living dangerously up there among the cliffs and all that. So I, I kind of like these parts because it really lets us see the world mm. and, and, and get comfortable with the world um, and its setting. So I don't know, maybe a little bit more of a subdued episode, but mm. interesting one overall. What do you think, Ken? I'm so just confused about this game. I'm just, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, <laughs> nothing in this world makes sense to me perpetual state of confusion about mm-hmm. this world <laughs> and you know what fucked up that i, that, no, I don't think we talked about I, we might have mentioned it i remember we're not gonna see the end of this game until the very fucking end of our near retrospective because of how you outlined it and the, the last replicant episode is the very last one that we're doing and so um so i will tell you right now and for those at home for i think we've gone over the episode i think we went over the whole schedule uh last episode but the way we are splitting it up is there are obviously multiple endings to near replicant just like there are for near automata and while we are doing all of the near automata endings as they happen which will be further down in the series for replicant which we are playing now we're doing endings a b c and d but then e will take place all the way at the end and ken i'll just tell you now that the reason we're doing that is because you need to have knowledge of both replicant and automata to get what is going on there. So it will make more sense because of that. So this is really as much as it is for because some context for those at home ending E did not ship with 
the original near ending e is near replicant the the remake the or not remake remaster like like the new version of near replicant shipped with ending e a new ending uh that is all added on later post automata and i will just tell you it does have some automata things referenced in it that we don't necessarily want to talk about just yet so that is why we're delaying it but if you're concerned at all about learning the mysteries of the world we will know all of them by the time we finish ending c and d like that is that is the conclusion of near replicant story ending e is i would say something almost completely apart from everything else um and that that's as far as I'm willing to go on that subject. But don't concern yourself too much about that. <laughs> okay. It's not going to take that long. We'll get there. Don't worry. Honestly, like I'm looking ahead at the schedule and I think you're going to start to understand a little bit more about this game. Even by the end of next month, uh, mm, next month okay. being September. So you might start to get some of your answers at that point. Um, Already then. But if you enjoy this podcast, as always, we're Normandy FM, a video game retrospective podcast. We've got feeds on everything. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on the podcatchers of your choice. Just search for Normandy FM. We've got past seasons on Mass Effect, Dragon Age, The Last of Us, Final Fantasy X, Cyberpunk, Jade Empire. We, we got it all out there. Uh, if you want to support us, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash FM, where you can go and contribute. We treat it like a tip jar. Ken and I both have day jobs, but it does help with whatever extra costs come up with this podcast, anything from equipment stuff to actually hosting the episodes and storing them on hard drives and things like I that. I bought so my copy backups. of Replicant with it. Yeah. So it just it's a way for us to kind of help offset the cost of just running this thing. So if you want to support us in that way, that is there. If you back there, you get into the backer discord as well, where you can hang out and chat with other fans of the show. We also, you know, just like reviews, reviews, help us get publicity, help us get seen, help us get, you know, noticed on, on the wider web. So, uh, if you want to help us out and, and don't want to back us financially, you can always go and just leave a five-star review. And that always helps out a ton. Nothing less than five stars though. (laughs) Uh, Next episode, we will be talking about a, a big battle. A big battle is going to go down. And then we're going to head to another new town. And this one's going to be a bit meatier than most. So it's going to have its own little episode rather than splitting it up into this sort of three-town episode that we had here. This one's a little bit meatier. So we'll get to that. But until then, for Ken, for myself, for everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. See you next time on Normandy FM. Thank you.